So, hi. Um, everyone probably knows me, but if you don't, I'll just introduce myself as well. Um, so my name is Jennifer. Um, I'm a veterinary technician. Uh, I have a huge passion for animals. I have a really bad habit of collecting them. I have an Australian Shepherd and three cats and a horse and some other various farm animals. Um, yeah, so that's me. Today I'm going to be leading you guys through the word of Isaiah. When Jeff asked me to take on this project, it was really daunting, to say the least. <laughs> but I'm really excited and grateful for this opportunity. So, um, this week, our, uh, the theme of our sermon is peace, if you didn't know already, by the big peace sign. Um, it's a really big topic, so let me just start with a question. What do you guys think of when you hear the word peace? Do you think of harmony? an absence of conflict, all things good, tranquility, an absence of disturbance, freedom from anxiety or fears. Isn't it funny how sometimes we think of peace as something tangible that is there for the taking if we try hard enough, and other times we think of it as an absence of something. Personally, I try desperately, desperately to find peace in a bubble bath after a particularly long day of work. Whereas my parents might have found peace differently when they were raising three beautiful children um, that, were <laughs> that were all learning musical instruments like the piano, clarinet, and the drums at the same time. They might have thought of it differently. <laughs> Whatever it is that you have in your mind when you think of peace, I think that most people would agree uh, that they would like more of it. Whatever peace is, we want it. Living in conflict and turmoil just isn't a sustainable way to be. So we look for peace. But depending on our definition, we might do this in different ways. For example, depending on the family you grew up in um, and your various life experiences, if you have tension in one of your relationships, you may respond in a couple of different ways. You could decide to pursue peace by not talking about the problem. If we just avoid talking about certain political issues where we disagree, then we will have peace. Other people, when they have tension in a relationship, feel like they need to talk about it immediately, and until a conversation has come to a resolution, they will never have peace. It's funny, right? Two people both desiring peace, both seeking out peace, come to entirely different ideas of what they should do to achieve it. So it would not be a surprise to me that when I ask, what do you think of when you hear the word peace? There are probably as many different answers as there are people in this room. While I was studying and preparing for this sermon, I discovered that the definition of peace might seem pretty ambiguous for us in our time and culture, but it was not that way in the Bible. The word the Old Testament uses for peace is shalom, which translates to complete or made whole. Peace is not just the absence of conflict or disturbances, but rather the harmony that comes when it is what is incomplete or broken becomes whole. This also means that peace isn't about sameness. It's not that everything becomes exactly the same. Instead, all the different and broken pieces find their right place in God's story. The picture for this in the Bible is the Garden of Eden. Before sin entered the world, there was this beautiful place that God had made where everything was was in right relation with each other and with God. And God looked down at it and said it was very good. That concept of peace as wholeness, of things as they were intended to be, is woven into today's passage of scripture, which is a passage of God's promise. 
We find it over and over again. So I'm a very visual learner. I love color coordinating my study notes and being able to really visualize the work I do. And this is a pretty big passage and we're definitely not going to touch on every part of it today and that's okay. Um, what I wanna do is kind of go through the sections that God really put on my heart in which he made stand out to me. Um, so I, I had a really cool poster that I made and it had like these sticky notes so you'll have to just visualize it because in my excitement for coming here today, I completely forgot it. And my mom even asked me, she was like, you have to show everybody your poster. So it was like this big and it was like sectioned. So it was like the passage up top and then it was like heading, heading and then sticky notes everywhere. Anyway, so just visualize that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I use that poster to brainstorm off of and create, and um, yeah, so anyways, that's, that's just something. So let's jump in. <laughs> Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4 and 8 to 11. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah is basically laying out God's promise of peace and healing for the people of Israel. At this time, Israel has been conquered by Babylon and neighboring cities and cast into exile. The people of Israel have been suffering for quite some time at this point, and then in comes Isaiah, a prophet of God, with this passage of hope that there is a plan in place that God will restore all that is good and bring an end to suffering. We start off the passage of Isaiah with God's specific plan for these people in despair. He says that God is going to bind up the brokenhearted and release them from darkness. So God is going to give their wounded hearts the time and support and protection that they need to heal. And for those stuck in fear and darkness, he is going to bring light. Later on, he writes about how God will bestow on them a crown of beauty um, instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning. These are some funky words, <laughs> um, but I think that God's plan in this text is pretty clear. God's going to take what is weighing us down and exchange it for something to lift us up. The crown of ashes and oil of mourning are pictures of shame, penance, and grief. And then for those to be replaced by a crown of beauty, an oil of joy, that's a pretty cool visual, and it's a pretty big deal. God takes the things we don't want to carry for ourselves and replaces them with beautiful, entirely undeserving gifts that show us how, how good he is. I wonder what this imagery looks like for you. What are the things that you're carrying that you would love to trade away to God in this kind of beautiful exchange? As someone in my early 20s, I have a ton of fears and anxieties in this world. Fear for one day having to buy my own home and making the right choices towards that. Anxieties about how to balance work and life and stay happy. I talk with people my age and most of them have no interest in ever having kids later on in life because the future looks ugly and without hope. I also hear stories from people of older generations that don't sound much better. People talk about their shrinking investments and retirement funds in the face of inflation. And those are real fears and I don't wanna belittle them. But this passage talks about God's promise, who he is and what he does for us. He is a God that wants to take my fears and anxieties and exchange them for hope and for peace. It can be so hard to let go, but I think there is something for me and for us in remembering this. Isaiah then goes on to describe God's people. They will be called oaks of righteousness, 
plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This stood out to me the most when I first read the scripture. The phrases, oaks of righteousness, is so specific and powerful. Like I said before, I'm visual. So maybe you can join me in this if you're willing, but close your eyes. <laughs> close your eyes with me and just picture a strong oak tree, tall with vibrant full leaves, proud with a thick, sturdy trunk and roots that are deep and spread far underground. I picture it standing in the middle of a field exposed to all the elements, no other trees for miles, but despite strong winds that blow or rainstorms or snow, it remains firm and unshaken year after year. What would it mean for you to become like this big oak tree? Not just any oak, but an oak of righteousness. Okay, you can open your eyes, thank you. <laughs> um, this is a pretty powerful image to describe God's people, especially when you think about the circumstances the way they must be feeling after years of exile. God gives them this picture of a mighty oak. Rather than beat up and broken, it's this image of a tree that has lived and endured many, many years and has grown into something strong and mighty. The tree didn't do this in the absence of storms or winters or challenges. No, it has grown so large and strong that it can endure really extreme circumstances. It can remain firm in the midst of all kinds of difficulties that might arise. And I think this is the picture of an oak of righteousness and perhaps where the idea of peace comes in. The peace of the oak tree is not the lack of the storm, but the assurance that comes from that big firm foundation of a root system that lets it know it can remain standing even when the storm comes. If I think of my own life, I want to have peace the fair weather, blue sky type of peace that doesn't really happen every day. <laughs> there will always be stress in this life, whether that be stress from a job or a test at school, relationships in our lives, or even the upcoming holiday season. What really wears down my heart personally is when I let small jobs build up and overwhelm me. I can be thinking about 17 things I must get done before I get to bed, on top of feeding my horse um, and making sure my house is tidy and then questioning if I'm on the wrong career path. It just builds and builds into this big storm of stresses all around, like winds blowing and blowing. And what I want God to do is just take it all away so I can finally have peace. But maybe what God wants me to do instead of taking away the storm is to strengthen me so I can stand firm as his oak of righteousness, even if the storm has come. Then the passage says that these oaks of righteousness are a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So maybe we can really try to embody this image as we stand firm, rooted in God's peace. We as a church could be a display of God's splendor. And I think I would like to be a part of something like that. And of course, as much as this is about enduring, a peace that exists amidst the trial through remaining rooted in God, God does let his people know that there is hope on the horizon. He reminds them of this in verses eight and nine about his love for justice and his everlasting covenant with his people to eventually come and set all things right. He says, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. This is a promise from a truly loving God. 
he is promising to eventually come and set all things right. He's not forgotten about these people, and even though they are suffering, God hasn't abandoned them. There is peace to come, and this is a reminder to have faith and hold on to that during hardships. The picture of what this peace would look like is that of a big party, a wedding celebration it talks about. This is described in the last chunk of the passage. It describes the new creation that God is promising as something like a wedding party. The new creation where God has clothed us in these amazing garments of salvation. He talks about robes of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Although these are once again words and examples that don't really resonate with us today, I'm sure we have all been to a party before and felt that joy. Just last Sunday, we had that church Christmas party. Um, and if you were in attendance, I'm sure you would um, agree with me that you felt that joy, that beauty that came from community. There was truly peace in coming together and celebrating as a church. This is the kind of peace that we look forward to and long for with the coming of God's kingdom. Right now, we might catch glimpses of it. Um, other times, it might feel really far away and we are called to stand firm as these mighty oaks. But through everything, we have hope that this is the future that is to come. As I come to a close, I want to leave you guys with one more visual from the text that God really spoke to me. This is where the passage finishes. Verse 11 says, for as the soil makes the sprouts come up and causes a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Here is this final image of a garden possibly in comparison to the Garden of Eden, where the Lord will make all things new. One thing that really stands out about the Garden of Eden was this picture of God coming and walking and talking with his people. He was so close to them that there wasn't a sense of separation. As we find ourselves in the season of Advent, we look towards another story where God chose to be near to his people. God came down to be with us in the form of Jesus. All of these things that we've learned, learned about today all of the peace that we long for, it finds its roots in a God who is not far from us, a God who comes and dwells with us. When the storms rage, he enters in our difficulties and ensures that we are not alone. But when the joys come and we are celebrating at a party together, he is also there. The story of Christmas that we're reflecting on is the story of a God who is near to us, a God who loves us so much that he would make a way to come and be with us. And when he enters that, he brings with him peace. So as you go about your lives this week, I encourage you to be mindful of how you view peace. Do you seek out imitations and placeholders for true peace? That the true peace that calms and grounds us despite any external force, the peace that comes through God alone. I think the concept of true peace is so difficult to understand because we have not yet grasped it. We cannot truly know peace until we are with God in his kingdom and all things have been made whole again. But by knowing God and walking through life, recognizing his presence beside us, there is not just a hope of peace, but a promise of it. So be visual. Look at the world around you and see the beauty in the trees and the gardens. Take a moment when you're at a family gathering surrounded by loved ones and let it be a reminder of God's love for us and this incredible undeserving gift that he has given to us. I hope that as we live, live this into our lives, we would become oaks of righteousness and be a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Thank you for your word that we can come together in this beautiful church to learn and reflect. Lord, help us to know your peace and to remind us that you are so close, closer than we realize. Help us to recognize your presence beside us and let it strengthen us. Lord, I ask you to build each one of us up as your oaks of righteousness so that we may face whatever this life may bring with total assurance that you are with us and that you are a loving God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.